on music, the podcast dedicated to in-depth engagement with the world of sound. Brought to you by Haus der Kulturen der Welt in Berlin. There is no sonic fiction. There has always been sonic fiction. Sonic fiction is everywhere. Sonic fiction is not at all ephemeral. Sonic fiction is material. And it is historical. Sonic fiction is introduced by way of sonic fiction. So let's explore a journey into the world of sonic fiction in the arts and activism. How to do things with sound. Your guides, Jorge Schulze and Giada Dallabonte. Sonic fictions, the word, was written about first in the 1990s by British music critic and DJ Kodwo Eshun, also teaching at Goldsmiths College in London. And sonic fiction is a concept that allows us to bring together all the imaginaries, all the ideas, all the thoughts, all the sensibilities that circulate around music, around tracks, around sound. Holger Schulze is a professor in musicology at the University of Copenhagen, principal investigator at the Sound Studies Lab. His research moves between cultural history of the senses, sound and popular culture, and the anthropology of media. Schulze is the author of Sonic Fiction. The word sonic fiction refers to the fictions that come to us through sound. And Kodwo Eshun himself exemplifies these fictions foremost in the area of Afrofuturism, in reference to artists like Sun Ra, Fortet, but also Kraftwerk and many other artists. And in his book, which is written in a very playful, eclectic and full of neologism style, he tries to write story, a fiction around these musical tracks, these musical aesthetics, and really narrates the fictions and the imaginaries that come through the sound, through the production, and through the performativity of the musicians to us. Sonic fictions materialize foremost if we speak about records and sound productions, of course, through the tangible side of this music, through song titles, liner notes, uh, lyrics maybe, maybe cover art, maybe also the performativity on stage, maybe the performativity behind DJ desk, but also through artist interviews, the gossip around musical pieces, and all these oral histories that fans and dedicated listeners tell to each other, and foremost, of course, through the music. Giada Dallabonta is a curator, writer, and sound studies scholar at the University of Copenhagen. 
Her research focuses on the intersection between sound and art, with an emphasis on unofficial Soviet and post-Soviet cultures and the politics of experimental sonic practices in underground art circles. The two case studies that I brought are quite different. The first is called Bicapo, which is the project of the artist German Vinogradov. was the founder of the first art squad, kindergarten, in Moscow in 1984. Here, among other things, Vinogradov started to build kinetic sculptures from found pieces of metal that soon became an immersive sound installation that he played in gradually more ritualized and structured manners, thus including also diplophonic singing and the purification of natural immense sound in the performance like fire, um, ice melting, water dripping, and wind. The name Bicapo refers to the late uh, Roman Mysteria and also to shamanic traditions. He is not with a pure religious intent, rather uh, it enacts the rituality of communal and participatory experiences of the visitors, who sometimes also participate in the performance, which are subtracted from the state control and the state collective, and on the contrary reclaims them into an intimate circle. And this is also the most spiritual aspect of this kind of sonic fiction. But the fictions that come through us through the music, of course, is less tangible, is less direct. It's always connected to the stories, to the fables, to the gossip. It's hard to speak only about the sound or only about liner notes, for instance. But these things come together and they, as a whole, create a sonic fiction, sometimes leaning more to the sonic side, sometimes leaning more to the performativity of the musician or performer, and sometimes leaning more to song titles or to the liner notes. Uh, so all of this, in the end, creates a sonic fiction. And if we do not only speak about records and sound productions, there are, of course, as well, forms of performativity, of visual presence, and of verbal articulations that come into play here. Mixologic. Mixologic. The second case studies takes place in uh, Leningrad in 1982, when a group of artists and musicians gather under the name of New Artists and New Composers. The name was a mocking way to reclaim the freedom of avant-garde and also the principles of absolutely synthesis of the arts which was operating from a methodology which was, in a way, similar to sampling and mixing in music.
the new composers, in fact, which are Igor Virichev and Valery Alakov, were the very first unofficial duo um, to experiment with field and radio recordings to produce electronic music and dance music with different technologies starting from tapes. It has been made in 1990. The musicians managed to go to Liverpool where they could record the single Putnik of Life, thus reviving the cosmic myth in an already almost post-Soviet idea. Scratchadalia. Turntableization. Mixedelics and the dub virus. They all represent concept techniques that promote a specific knowledge. This knowledge is not about sound. It does not represent an auditory epistemology that could be extracted academically, but it is a knowledge out of, with, through, and beyond sounds all at once. Their first works were collected in the album called Cosmic Space, which is from 1983. And from 1988, the collective started to hold private raves at their squat at Fontanka, and later on in the planetarium where the new composers worked. The parties combined sound, artworks, performances, and extravagant disguises, which were, of course, showing a certain uh, queer-friendly attitude towards uh, transvestism, for instance. And they recreated and reappropriated the Soviet myth of cosmism, so the dream of a future interplanetary socialist brotherhood, in a new language. Mutant textures made out of myth sciences. The squad has been cleared after two years, but Vinogradov went on, basically he moved his sound installation in his house. The house itself became an entire immersive installation, which is open up to today, every week, to everyone, in collaboration with different artists. On the other hand, the raves, they have been extremely important also, especially for Leningrad community. In uh, 1991, Berlin DJ Bam had been invited in the planetarium to play, and this marked uh, the passage from almost elitist or gregarious series of events to uh, an event of mass culture, almost shifting the youth culture of Soviet Union. Very important then became the parties that they started to organize in Moscow, the Gagarin party, which are still nowadays since a mythological series of events. You stand in sound, right now, right here, wherever you are. It engulfs you, it envelops you, it pinches and cuts through you. With your limbs and sensibilities, your longings and repulsions, with your hopes and your indolences, you sense and you react to these sounds. In his book, More Brilliant Than the Sun, Kurt Weishun writes sonic fiction not only in a discursive, classic, academic or essayistic way, but he embodies it in his language. That means 
The language itself is playful, is musical, and it invents almost in every single sentence, a half sentence, a new term, a new terminology. So it's not like in your classic academic text that terms are defined and then expanded on and spoken about, but Ishun describes music, speaks about musical experiences, histories about musicians, and while doing so, he creates new terms. For instance, a term like mixologic. That's one term that is created at some point, which I really like, because it refers to the genuine logic of a musical piece or of an artistic creation that comes only into life when two things are mixed together and that has no underlying logic but comes through the mix and is not before existent, maybe not afterwards. I often tend to call these swarms of neologisms that are on every page of Kurtwaishun's writing. These are for me like the aliens of the language here because they're not terms we know, they're not concepts we know before reading this text, they're not thoughts we know, but they come suddenly to us, they are with us for a few sentences and then they're away. Often sonic fictions are only exemplified with pieces from, if you will, black orality and black resistance and black critique, often with Detroit techno and bands like Drexia. I chose this track because Missy Elliott embodies in her performance of Super Duper Fly in the song itself, in the music and its samples, in the beat, but also in her stage performances or in her performance in the video where she wears really huge space-like spheric suits. She embodies in a certain sense a very positive fiction of recreating her body that goes beyond any form of body normativity, gender normativity or race normativity that is whiteness, but creates a new body and creates a new existence which is very uplifting and exciting and makes you dance, it makes you want to join in. So it's a very positive, a very almost aggressively positive vision of herself and of other people. And that's for me the light side or the positive notion, positive and uplifting notion how sonic fiction can be employed. Myth science, mixologic, and mutant textures diffract from the white sciences of knowledge, practices, and artifacts. So they can move away from the more linear trajectories of logocentrism, of established political, social, and historical hierarchizations and commodifications. The second example is an example by Moore Mother. More recent example of sonic fiction, I think from 2021, if I remember that right? And that aligns more with the darker black orality, with discussing the transatlantic slave trade, the black suffering, the violence against people of color, and so on. 
It comes from the record called Black Encyclopedia of the Air. And this title already tells you the, if you will, the comprehensive and again general notion that this record and this music wants to address. And the song itself, the track itself, starts this record and drags us into this world of black lives, black livingness and black resistance. And for me, this track embodies very strongly and, and impactful and impressively what a sonic fiction in that sense in the 2020s means, referencing a lot of the musical traditions from Detroit in this track. This place This place, this place right in front of us, this place, this place, this place, you walk this land like monsters, on top of the graves of gods. Sonic fictions provide an infusion for activism. They motivate lazy and often self-indulgent humanoid aliens like you or me to take action. I think that also the term activism should be deconstructed, which means it does not have to be necessarily in the cliche one-dimensional form of confronting directly the state, but it can assume very different forms depending on the context and the possibilities. In Soviet Union, especially during the end of Soviet Union, there is this concept of hyper-normalization, which has been theorized by anthropologist Alexei Yurchak, which can be described as a paradox of living in a system or a society where everyone knows that it is failing, that it is doomed, but you cannot imagine any other alternative. And this concept is quite strongly resonating with what we know about capitalism through the words of Mark Fisher. What, what can be done when you think that you are living in an eternal state? that there is no way to get out of it, that you uh, risk also with your life or you can be interneted in a sanatorium forever just for a very small act, if not that of reclaiming beyond the radars of control and definitely build what you want without asking it formally. I think that these groups, they just found their own uh, ways of activism, which is that of simply doing what they want as much as they could. Maybe it's not heroic, but it definitely had a huge impact contributing to the dissolution of the ideology and the belief in it underneath. And they prepared, in a way, the road for young people to face the terrible and very dramatic exchange between and passage between Soviet reality and a state of pure chaos. This is for sure very important. And on the other hand, activism... If we look at the root of the word, we can also uh, trace a core of meaning, which is that about action. And in this 
case in this context, I would say that action and processuality are much more important than planning a future escape, which is was seen at the time as not really possible. But it's rather that of enjoying as much as you can a present possibilities. The motive of liberation, I think, is indeed an element in all the sonic fictions, in all cultures, in all times. So in Afrofuturism, as well as in this Soviet interpretation, but also, if you might say, in Sino-Futurism, so in a Chinese interpretation, or in Dubai Futurism, or even in South America. So there are very many forms how the fiction through sound is employed, but all are shared this idea we are here in a complete alienated alien situation, being deported from Africa to the Americas, be it in a strange system, in a strange time, in a strange environment. But performing now through sound in a different way allows us to, let's say, disregard all official linearities, all official narrations of causality, moral, ethics, personhood, duty, task, work, and so on. And we can create whole different worlds through that. And, if you will, reinvent ourselves, reimagine ourselves as, let's say, coming from Sirius, flying through a Sputnik, living in a communist utopia of the third millennium or wherever, but against the agreed linear narrations which one is maybe forced to accept in everyday life. So it's definitely, that's a shared element that all these interpretations of sonic fictions use it as a form of liberation and forcefully going against the rational logics and the established historiographies and linearities of logic. The sonic fiction in these cases, in very different ways, is not so much related to voluntarily or direct confrontation with the system in order to obtain spaces where to simply be and produce, but simply to create it. Behind a gray veil of distant listening, somewhere across this meadow, across this pond on a countryside, we can hear the bleeping sounds of analog synthesizers. Muffled drum loops, eating lullabies, somewhere, somehow. If there is an activism, it's more focused on the action itself, or an activism of intimacies, of reappropriation of the personal dimension, which meant also about sharing time, sharing space, sharing activities for a common interest. And among these activities, sound was, and still nowadays has, of course, a peculiar aggregative power, also uh, between otherwise quite sparse, sparse uh, groups. And the sonic fiction here is uh, not so projected towards uh, a future as in Afrofuturism so remarkably does, but on the contrary, is more introjected towards a presence. I think in the concept as a whole, activism, but also, if you will, the conceptual problem-solving or heuristics that it has, so it allows us to understand things better. That's in all versions of sonic fiction there, if we look to Asian, African, South American, European, East European, or so on, ideas... Oceanian ideas of sonic fiction. But, of course, 
the mixture, how it really is presented and played out, that's totally different. Because otherwise it would only be the same. There are interpretations of how to do sonic fiction. And obviously a sonic fiction created or invented in the 1980s in the Soviet Union does something else than... Let's switch to another idea, to a sonic fiction that is created in, in Dubai these days or in Brazil that has totally different life circumstances, backgrounds, questions of racial inequality are different, of sexualities are different, than in Afrofuturism again. From my perspective, these ferments are these core elements of activism and of, let's say, problem-solving of your cultural relations. These do always reappear, but in different ways and play out differently. In the Soviet context, for instance, as Jada explicated, the activist power and impact, you could say, lessened in comparison to other activist forms at that time, but it truly did contribute to a culture and to an atmosphere of breaking up the lifestyle as it was and the ideology and the everyday life as it was. But of course, in the case of Afrofuturism and the discourse around Black Lives Matter and violence against Black folks is indeed contributing to this identity of how to take a stance and how to represent resistance and take an activist stance. So, again, it plays out differently, but you can find it in different degrees, different proportions, different mixtures. Far from needing theory's help, music today is already more conceptual than at any point this century pregnant with thought probes waiting to be activated, switched on, misused. Today, one might say that sonic fictions are taking place in a lot of bigger and smaller media environments. Musically, the music of Moore Mother is for me one example where this takes place. In a more mainstream-oriented cultural production, I feel that the whole blockbuster Marvel movie The Black Panther, of course, takes up elements of Afrofuturism and displays it also through a form of sonic fiction. The concept of sonic fiction can be traced in many phenomena in the cultural sound world. I would say that Definitely in um, the club culture of Chicago or Berlin, uh, some decades ago, uh, sonic fiction was definitely one of the powerful energies that was putting young people together for different reasons in the two continents. I would say that now its liberating power has lost its radicality and also its imaginative force as it was before. But this is also because it has been slightly more normalized. It's a ritual which is much more accepted. If I look nowadays at popular culture, in my opinion, an interesting uh, example of sonic fiction is that of Arca. is definitely not addressing directly towards capitalism or socialism. 
is she's not really talking about black subjectivities, but she definitely created a sonic fiction which is talking about gender and technology. And it's a sonic fiction which is collapsing science technology with magic, mythology, sci-fi. Talking about one of the aspects that for me are more important and significant for sonic fiction, which is that of producing new words which can conflate with reality and thus create a certain agency out of a very rational place. She created, for instance, a community which is called of a mutants, which is people who are not identified themselves as male or female or both. And this word is actually generating also very uh, pragmatically mixtapes. They're raising money for LGBT groups. So I think that this is one of the most clear example of sonic fictions, in my opinion, in popular culture nowadays. This was How to Do Things with Sound, a journey into the world of sonic fiction in the arts and activism. Part of the On Music podcast series produced by Haus der Kulturen der Welt. With Giada Dallabonta and Holger Schulze. The quotes in this episode were taken from Holger Schulze's book Sonic Fiction, published by Bloomsbury Academic in 2020, and from Kodwo Eschun's book More Brilliant Than the Sun Adventures in Sonic Fiction, published by Quartet Books in 1998. Music and sounds by Picapo, Missy Elliott, More Mother, The New Composers, and Arca. That was On Music, the podcast dedicated to in-depth engagement with the world of sounds. Brought to you by Haus der Kulturen der Welt in Berlin. Narration by Sarge Lynch. Production and editing by Julia Forkefeld. Recording by Matthias Hartenberger. Interviews and script by Arno Refiner. On Music Sound Logo by Alexandra Cardenas.